0: hello everyone welcome to this ground Up. there is a growing excitement that the internet of things will bring nations the next industrial revolution because of the way it will change the way we the people will live work entertain shop travel and so much more as well as how nations its government industries organizations and academia in short, referred to as NGIOA, will interact with each other within and across nations. There are many who think that the revolution is already here. Irrespective of whether the revolution has already begun or will begin in the coming years, one thing remains certain, it will bring each nation, its government, industries, organizations, academia, and individuals, in short, referred to as NGIOAI, each one of us, great promise as well as great peril. Now when physical objects in geospace become embedded with sensors and gain the ability to communicate through internet or cyberspace, the new information networks will need to create new governance models, new business models, new technology, new business processes and new way of doing things. While these will likely reduce costs, It is expected to increase speed, efficiency, opportunities, as well as risk. Now, the heart of Internet of Things is machine to machine communication through cyberspace or Internet. Now, while it is being built on cloud computing and networks of data gathering sensors, it's mobile, virtual and instantaneous connection is going to make everything in our lives in cyberspace, geospace and space smart. IoT, that is Internet of Things, is expected to fundamentally change the way each NGIOA operates and does things. The governance and business models that are currently based on largely static information architectures will fundamentally face challenges as new ways of creating value arise across NGIOA in the coming months and years. Now, of all the technology trends that are taking place right now, the IoT brings very complex challenges for which perhaps no nation is prepared for. Now, while the Internet of Things has great promise, the business, policy, operational and technical challenges must be tackled before these systems are widely and globally embraced. Now is the time for decision makers across NGIOA to structure their thoughts about the potential impact, opportunities and risks likely to emerge from the Internet of Things. Now to discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Martin Actors to Risk Roundup. Martin is the vice president at Canonical Limited based in United Kingdom. Welcome, Martin. We are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Uh, The pleasure is mine. Great, Martin. So let's start for the benefit of our global viewers and listeners. Let's start with a very fundamental question. What is Internet of Things?
1: (laughs) It's it's a very easy question with a difficult answer. Uh, Internet of Things is uh, a new movement in which we're connecting all types of things uh, between one another and to the internet. Uh, that can be sensors, that can be like bigger devices, and uh, they can now communicate with one another, with people in totally new ways. And how that will impact uh, you, uh, that is still a, a question, but then it will impact you is uh, almost certain.
0: Right, right. No, that's a good explanation, Martin. Now, what is the fundamental concept of IoT, the Internet of Things? What is the fundamental concept behind those whole movement of Internet of Things?
1: So I think uh, the revolution started with a lot of other revolutions that just came before. Uh, The first thing that uh, came was uh, the mobile revolution. Because we all have a smartphone, it means that the cost of producing sensors and computing and so on has dramatically gone down. Uh, The other revolution is the cloud revolution. The fact that, like, you no longer buy servers, but you just rent them by the minute means trying something new is a lot cheaper. Now those things combined have like now given uh, rise to the Internet of Things because all those small sensors that come from a mobile phone can now Im- be embedded in everything around us, in wearables, in uh, appliances, in your business, in your city. They can all give information and that information can now also be processed on the cloud uh, a lot ch- uh, cheaper than it could be before. So technically, those are the two things driving it. Now, how we can use it, how and what it's being used for, that's the business challenge and also the security challenges that uh, we're currently all looking into.
0: That that is very true, Martin. Now, from your observation, because you are in this field and you know how many IoT applications have been developed so far and across which industry it is used, based on your observation, And knowledge. Where is IoT being used so far? Which industries? Which nations are you know advancing with this?
1: Well, there's smart cities all around the world. Uh, So basically, uh, it's not a specific nation. There's lots of countries uh, uh, looking very much into uh, this, Uh, and I think in every uh, continent there are countries and cities that uh, are heavily investing in smart cities. Um, which uh, specific industries? Well, um, I think there's very few industries that will not be impacted. Uh, the most active, of course, is the IT industry uh, where uh, all those things normally uh, get born. But everything from like insurance, like if the, the car can tell how it's being driven, then that has a direct effect on like how much insurance you have to pay. Uh logistics, if the car can drive by itself or the truck can drive by itself, then, of course, uh, logistic uh, models change. Um, in banking, uh, uh, you can have uh, things in retail. There's lots of things being done. Um, in health, uh, your, your body can continuously transmit data and, and new things can be uh, done with that. Uh, entertainment, of course, is, is there. Uh, even toys, Internet of Toys is, is a new area. Uh, that gets a lot of attention. Um, the whole aviation industry like you look at drones and so on industrial is is the number one future uh, money generator for most investments so industrial robots and and uh, predictive maintenance and i'm probably forgetting 25 other industries where where people are working uh, as well.
0: No, there's the, so much potential and so many possibilities with Internet of Things. Now, if you talk about just individual human being, like a common man, how would IoT or Internet of Things impact uh, you know, each and every common man that is you know living on this planet?
1: So, um, it's a very, very good question. <laughs> First of all, what should Internet of Things do? First thing it should do is solve problems. If it doesn't solve problems, then it actually is just a technology play. And there's a lot of those uh, already going on that have uh, led to nothing. But Internet of Things, when it solves your concrete problems or it solves concrete cost problems or new revenue is where you see most impact. So there are like, if you look at smart cities for instance, um, uh, in uh, transport of, uh, uh, for London uh, here in London, you have uh, 20 bus stations where they're currently doing a test. There's some sensors that measure if people are there because they can hear the chat or they can uh, see that uh, there's mobile signal just around the bus stop. And what they now do is like they schedule buses more frequently or less frequently based on the amount of people that are waiting. You normally have a timetable between 5 and 15 minutes. Well, if there's lots of people waiting, it will be closer to 5. If there's less, it will be closer to 15. That will save lots of congestion and so on. Uh, Other things where you will be impacted on your garbage. Uh, You can have sensors that just measure how much garbage you have. So basically, the truck will come and pick it up if it's full, and you'll pay more if you waste... Unless uh, if you don't, uh, this will uh, be also a clear uh, advantage. Uh, this other type of like in retail, um, uh, the other day I saw a very uh, specific company that was looking at your shoes. So if you basically come into a store, if a, a camera is pointed at your face, that might be kind of creepy. If it looks at your shoes, it, there's less problems with privacy. But still the store can know how many people came in if they were children or adults, if they were female or male, and by the price of your shoes, probably if you're a big spender or not.
0: That is so amazing. I mean, so much productivity, efficiency, and effectiveness will be there because of the Internet of Things. Now, when did this whole concept of IoT came and when did device-to-device connectivity came into existence? Is it uh, like in just a few years before or it has been there for a long time?
1: So before it was known as the Internet of Things, it was known as machine to machine and machine to machine has been there for a long time. Think about like a Coca-Cola vending machine that just phones home and says, like, I'm almost out of Coca-Cola, you should come and uh, refill me. So that were like the first type of things. And those have been around for a long time. Uh, so It's not something new. The only thing what has been new in the latest years is uh, things like Arduino and Raspberry Pi. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're very small boards uh, the size of a, a credit card or smaller and they have the potential like for instance the Raspberry Pi uh, is multiple times more powerful than the first Google servers, but it costs $35. So basically that means you can now put a supercomputer in any type of device, and that's what's accelerating uh, the Internet of Things. You have cheap sensors, cheap compute that you can now include everywhere.
0: That is so amazing. Now, it, let's say you know the, our global viewers and listeners—they come from across industries and across nations. If you have to explain them in you know very simple terms how the IoT works. How would you describe that? How would IoT work, if you want to just explain them? So it it depends a
1: little bit like where you are in the spectrum. If if you look at sensors, uh, those are the things that are all around you. They can pick up data. So the new smartwatches might pick up your heartbeat and that then can be used by others. So if your heartbeat is shared with something else, Then, for instance, um, a video-on-demand service can uh, see that you're not very interested and perhaps suggest you another thing uh, to watch. Or can see that you're very, very interested in this type of movie, so next time it suggests more of those similar movies. So it's all these senses can be helpful uh, to get information then on the other side uh, is the cloud. Uh, why do you need the cloud? Well, if you get a lot of information about all type of things, uh, you need to make sense. And and what we're actually seeing is a sort of like data tsunami. Because if you just do the math about like if you point a camera at people and you send that to the cloud and you put the latest chipset uh, that the mobile phones now have in there, it's basically an enormous amount of data that you're now sending to the cloud so what's happening there is Facebook and Google and others have been investing uh, a lot of effort in teaching computers how to recognize things and that's why we're seeing all these things like self-driven cars if you upload to Facebook your photos recognized all those things uh, are, are new developments, and this is where, like, in IoT, they're super important because it can pick out the needle out of the haystack, and if you have too much data, you need to be able to do that.
0: Yes, yes. No, that is a wonderful explanation, Martin. Now, based on your observations, in you are in United Kingdom, and I'm here in USA. Uh, ba- how many... Uh, Internet of Things would be approximately connected to the Internet right now. I mean in your nation my nation or even if we look at it globally. How many IOTs are already connected?
1: Well, we all have uh, a smartphone in our pocket and I think the latest numbers are like there's more smartphones and phones now than people. So if you count those as connected then uh, we're already into the billions Uh, then Afterwards you have to go and add uh, all other things that are connected to Wi-Fi or to Ethernet or to uh, uh, telephone um, Communications and other type of protocols and you add another so many billions But uh, the numbers go everywhere from like in the next years. We'll have 20 50 a hundred billion devices connected Uh, so uh, Depends a little bit where you read the number becomes bigger, but The only thing they all agree upon is many billions more will be coming in the next years.
0: That would be so amazing to see, you know, the kind of challenges as well as the potential and opportunities it would bring. Now, one can say that Internet of Things that's IoT allows automation. I think that is fundamentally what it's doing. It allows automation. What are the other benefits of IoT?
1: So automation, of course, is, is one. Uh, new revenue generation uh, can, uh, can be as well. So, so basically, if you can like, do new things on existing devices and people uh, get value out of that, it can be used for, for totally new concepts. Um, and you could actually do lots of new things. So, so to give you an example, so where we are concretely working on, we're putting app stores on things. Uh, So we make open source solutions that everything can have an app store. So think about like, for instance, uh, Weight Watchers and a fridge. If uh, you would put an app on uh, top of a fridge uh, that has a smart lock and you would have a scale in your home and you have a Fitbit around your hand, um, then basically a, a Weight Watch app, would lock the fridge in the morning until you stand on your scale. If you weigh more than yesterday, your tweeter would know before the fridge opens and the fridge would only open during mealtimes. And then, um, uh, or unless you go and go for a run and your Fitbit said you got to the next goal. And as such, then the fridge opens the whole day. So this is just an example of how like, new things can be built that like bring, lots of different use cases, lots of benefits, uh, lots of new business potential and help uh, to, to help people that have a habit that they want to see changed.
0: So much control there would be you know and I'm not sure if we humans are prepared for that kind of control to give that kind of control to uh, this kind of internet of things so, but we'll see you know how it is widely accepted. Now based on your observation what is the vision behind IoT? Where are we going next?
1: It's uh, so, so there's a difference between home and, and industrial. In the home, I think it's all going to be about entertaining us, uh, helping us like, do all those chores that we don't like to do. So instead of you going online and ordering uh, half a dozen of eggs and, and milk and other things, what you probably will do is you'll talk to your fridge and say, order me some eggs and you take a scanner and you scan five other products. And then you can tell it like, get it to me as cheap as possible. And then the fridge will like, see who can deliver those things the cheapest. So it's those type of things that, that like, uh, will come in the future. Entertainment, you'll be able to talk to your house, uh, things will be redefined. So you'll see that a lot more things will have like, uh, Um, interaction with you. So if you have a dishwasher or a fridge with a touch screen uh, and the alarm is on, it will then not show the dishwasher, but it might just uh, show a a keypad to uh, unlock the alarm. Um, So it's this type of things that you'll see all appearing around you, uh, making your life easier, entertaining you, kids, and everybody else, and solving concrete problems. Uh, In In the industry, it will be uh, even more advanced. Um, Something called predictive maintenance basically means knowing uh, that something bad is going to happen before it actually happens. So we all have seen these big wind turbines that are 20 meters high that like capture wind and convert it to electricity. Now through sensors, you can actually detect if a screw came loose or broke and now there's some unnatural vibrations. What will happen in the future is computers will detect and, uh, and uh, look at algorithms and see, oh, that screw is probably the cause, why don't we order a screw? And if it takes, for instance, three weeks to order the screw and get it there, and the computer predicts that in two weeks' time the motor will break and the whole turbine uh, will have to be uh, replaced, then uh, what it will do is it will go and order somebody to print it in a 3d printer and it might be flown over uh, by a a drone that picks it up and drops it off and automatically people will be scheduled to come and change it when the wind is not um, uh, too powerful so all these things working together will change the way things are done will make sure that things don't break will save people's lives but in uh, certain cases, will also change uh, the job people have to do.
0: Yes, very true, very true. Now, integration with the internet um, implies that all the devices will use an IP address as a unique identifier, I believe. Now, do you, it seems that the IPv4, the one the version that we are currently using, due to the limited address space of IPv4. Objects in the IoT will have to use IPv6 to accommodate the extremely large address space required because so many things will be connected to the Internet. Now, for the benefit of our global viewers and listeners, can you explain the difference between IPv4 versus IPv6? Yes,
1: yeah, so an IPv4 um, address is is uh, an address that only has a limited number of addresses and it was designed in... Uh, the 70s or 80s uh, because like we would never have so many millions of computers because in that time It was still more like mainframes and and expensive servers, but uh, They didn't think that like uh, 20 30 years later You would have like billions of devices all needing IP addresses. So what has been done now is they have um put a lot more numbers to identify uniquely every device. And I don't know the exact number, but like every square meter now can have uh, more IP addresses than you can actually physically fit in it. So I don't think we'll run out of uh, IP addresses with IPv6 uh, very soon.
0: That is true. That is correct. Now, it seems that the IoT systems, could also be responsible for performing actions like you were just describing. You know, uh, a few examples how it could be helping. Like intelligent shopping systems uh, could monitor specific users' purchasing habits, and uh, they also could uh, give special offers about favorite products and all those kind of you know automation uh, across you know industries are expected now. Automation of these levels can bring very unwanted complex security threats because we when we are designing when this internet of things and all these you know different new systems are being designed security is generally not taken into account right at the architecture you know when at the beginning in the planning phases so what kind of threats do you anticipate or what are we talking about what kind of threats we are talking about security threats when i what i mean is can you share uh, your viewpoint on that
1: yeah, so so uh, anybody that is going to do IoT solutions and doesn't take security lightly, uh, it can become one of those companies that kills through IoT. It's not something where like you should take it lightly. So, so we, for instance, are very much looking into how we can secure the base systems on which other people build, uh, because otherwise, very very bad things can happen. So if you just take a look at like things around you, your uh, simplest thing is a broadband modem. If that is insecure and a lot of them today aren't actually very secure, uh, things can come in, viruses can come in, people can hack uh, um, and so on. At this moment, Those devices are not that powerful, but the next generation will be like small supercomputers and it will be connected to things in your house. So even a virus that can come in and can just do something as simple as switch on and off a light remotely, if that virus now starts switching it on and off a hundred times a second, that light bulb might explode and might provoke a fire and might kill everybody in that building. So uh, there's a clear risk To connecting everything, and you need to take security seriously. So that's why, for instance, uh, what we are doing is like we provide security updates as a feature in our open source solutions that, like, uh, you'd have to pay us to turn it off. Like, we take it that seriously. Like, if there's a, a bug, we will push it out unless you pay us not to push it out, because otherwise, you basically are having unsecure systems, which means somebody could open your garage door and walk into your house. So the future of criminals could just have a laptop and go to your house and open the doors. So this is why like, security is paramount. And anybody doing anything in IoT that doesn't know about security should really, really look into it because very, very bad things can happen. Think about like self-driven cars. Uh, and and ransomware. Like, would you want to be in a car where the doors get locked? It starts accelerating, and it then starts asking money. And and if you don't give it in ten minutes, it will crash your door.
0: Whoa! There's very dangerous things that can happen. Yes, absolutely. I don't think any nation is prepared for this uh, nature of complex security challenges that you know IoT you know is about to bring or is already bringing to us. Now it seems that IoT products, if we look at it, you know. Broadly, we can categorize into like smart variable, smart home, smart city, smart environment, and smart enterprise. Do you have any estimate about what is the global market size we are looking at? If we are just talking about let's say smart home or smart city, what what are the what is the market size we are looking at individually yeah, it, and collectively? Yeah, it, it it's it's a very good question that has an
1: impossible answer at this moment because. <laughs> um you'd have to understand what will be the biggest market uh sol- or the biggest solution in each market so if you would be back in 2008 2009 2010 time frame and i'd ask you what is uh the impact cloud will have uh and where will it be biggest probably you would be saying well i don't think it will be that enormous and 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 if it's going to To happen is going to happen in this and this industry. You'd probably never predicted uh, that the American and UK intelligence agencies would be some of the first to move to the cloud. You'd probably not have predicted that, like, uh, through uh, things like Netflix or uh, viewing habits changed completely. And now they are like generating uh, more data traffic uh, than anything else in the world. So it's like uh, it's very hard to predict where things are coming. And how they will impact you unless you are more or less seeing them start and can then predict how they will evolve. And even then, you probably overestimate them on the short term and very much underestimate them on the long term. So it's like in 98, everybody knew the Internet was going to be big. They just thought it would be in 2000. Well, it took a little bit longer. But since then ask uh, people that like are selling stamps or are selling uh, um, Trips and travel agents like did the internet impact uh, their business or not it just changed complete industries
0: That is true. That is true now. It it, it seems that there's a growing belief that IOT would play a critical role in data capture and behavioral statistics because of the amount of interactions it would have with each and every human being or each and every even if you look at, you know, uh, personal life of, uh, you know, anyone, then, you know, everything that is connected in their home or, you know, on that person or if you look at enterprises in the business. Or if you look at governments, each industry or each sector of each component of a nation, if you look at it, they all are connected by, they're in the process of going to be connected by IoT. So it will create a lot of data, a lot of information that will be captured. And a lot of behavioral analysis, you know, also would happen. So what are the implications you see because of this humongous amount of data that will be generated? Well,
1: uh, it's theoretically impossible to take all the data in a raw format and then store it somewhere centrally. If you just look at like, um, you know, 4K televisions and 4K cameras on your phone, um, that 4K word doesn't seem important. But the reality is it generates 30 times more data than high definition, which by itself was again like 20 or 30 times more data. So, we're talking about like 600 times more data uh, than like uh, some years back for just one single camera. And uh, now, think about if that camera in your home would cost less than $50, you could have several. In a company, you could have hundreds of those cameras multiplied by such a big amount of data. It would basically mean that a couple of cameras would uh, fill a hard disk every day with data. So if you want to capture all your grass moving in your uh, garden and store that locally, that's fine. But you'd have to spend $100 on buying a new disk every day to just have data about your grass moving. So the, the trick now is we need to add the edges where the cameras are, where the sensors are, filter out what is important. If we can filter out what is important to you at the edges, then we can do something with it. And we don't have to just store irrelevant data like the grass is moving. So what could be important is also different by the use case. So if you are allergic to cats, and the cat of the neighbors runs onto your grass you might think that's important, and you might want your house to, sp- to put on the sprinklers, but not when it sees a person or your dog. So for you, that cat on the grass is important, but for an enterprise that has a security system, a cat shouldn't trigger an, uh, an alarm. A person that uh, comes uh, close in the middle of the night through that grass should trigger an, an alarm. So what we need is intelligence on the edges that can actually say this is important and this is not. And when it's important, it needs to be shared. When it's not, it needs to be uh, uh, forgotten pretty soon.
0: Yes, so probably, you know, artificial intelligence would have to get involved in that too because you want to make it much more smarter. I mean, like you said, you know, so much data would be generated, but which data would be meaningful or useful that should be communicated. That is going to be the key. Now, when we when we look at big data and IoT that would work, you know, in conjunction, what kind of impact we will see? Because uh, I, as you said, you know, there is going to be so much data, but we will have to differentiate which data would be meaningful. But when this whole big data, you know, that each and every nation, each and every industry collects uh, with the, you know, and IoT, together what i mean if you talk about policy makers or if you talk about regulators or decision makers across ngio if they have to just go through that understand where the nations you know uh, the information that they are getting every day what how would they deal with that what kind of impact it would create on that
1: yeah so uh, so i just explained the technical uh, impact of data the legal impact uh, the the business impact is, is is even bigger. So um, it's not because I look at your shoes that I might not be able to identify you because uh, if I can link that to other things, I might actually be able to identify you. So so at what point is data that identifies a person as still legal and what point it isn't? Uh, at what point uh, do we have to ask a human being for permission, at what point we don't? is all a question because uh, sometimes it will be a governmental camera that is there, another time it will be a bank uh, camera, another time it will be a camera at your home that films you. Uh, they can't all have the same rules, but as a society we probably need rules on all those things. So, so at this moment I think the technology is far ahead of like the policies uh, around it. And that will give some friction in the the following years, because um, you probably don't necessarily know it, but the phone in uh, your pocket can often identify you uh, before you actually walk into a store, even if you don't push a button on it. So so there's a lot of things that need to be looked at, and, and we need to look at the whole privacy. We need to look at, like what data is important and who can justify collecting certain data and who can't and who shouldn't and yeah it's an open debate that uh definitely over the next years will definitely create some headlines
0: that is very true that's going to be the key who should be allowed to collect that kind of data because not everyone should be allowed to collect you know everyone's data without you know any restrictions so that we'll have to see how nations uh set up those rules now there are it's believed that IOT would change environmental monitoring. Now, if, what kind of changes we would see if we are talking about environmental monitoring because there's so much like in the air, water, you know, soil there's so much you know that needs to be monitored and if you are looking at individuals or human beings they would love to know you know details about what kind of water they are getting what kind of air they are getting what pollution is in there so what kind of changes do you anticipate in the environmental monitoring using IOT
1: so there's lots of possibilities there so from smart farming where like uh, you have sensors And you have, uh, like, you detect uh, certain problems. So you have to uh, feed or or, uh, put more water or put less water. Uh, You could even have, like, drones flying over crops and detect diseases and then only uh, put, like, um, products on those that have the disease, not everywhere. So, like, uh, even in, in something as simple as farming, we can reduce the water consumption. We can reduce pesticides to only where it 's needed, so so we can do a lot of environmental change uh, by being able to measure what 's happening and, and we all have in very very recent uh, memory the the car scandals about diesel engines while well, those type of things uh, we don 't have to rely on a body anymore somewhere uh, centric to do measurements, like it will be very easy for a smart car to measure exactly how much it consumes and how much uh, it uh, blows into the air. Um, So what you will get probably is models where like if you pollute, you have to pay more. And the more you pollute, the more you waste, the more you pay. As such, like uh, both industries and companies as well as individuals will change their habits or will change uh, their devices to be uh, better uh, to the environment. So the direct impact uh, should be that like, policymakers should make it so that like, things are measured and polluters uh, should pay more than the ones that don't.
0: That's very interesting. Now, you know, that uh, makes me think about uh, another, you know, big area of uh, concern here that, you know, each and every sensor that you, let's say, you know, you said uh, we can put it in the soil and uh, based on... Uh, The analysis, we would know where to put the pesticides, or you know how much to put. Now, to teach the sensors, I mean, the sensors are not going to know these automatically because we'll have to feed data to the sensors that if it is, you know, if the soil is like this, or if the air is like this, or water is like this, then we have to, you know, trigger this. I mean, we can, we have to spray the pesticides uh, as you know necessary, but how is that determined what kind of who decides what kind of data needs to be fed into the you know sensors yes. on, so, is there a collective analysis done on that no so, so basically
1: uh, Internet of things has uh, three levels you have the sensor level and the cloud level what we didn't discuss that much is the smart devices in the middle those smart devices are the ones that like can receive sensors of data and can t- take a trained model from the cloud and then make autonomous decisions. So uh, in the case of um, a farm, you might have uh, hundreds of sensors everywhere, but you're probably only going to have like a couple of smart devices that get that data. And they will quickly go through all that avalanche of data and apply some smart models that they get from somewhere else else if they find there's a problem they will then go to the cloud and ask what should we do now Uh, and from time to time the cloud will like find exceptional cases that weren't in its previous model and will bring a new model to the edges uh, so that uh, all those smart devices can autonomously take decisions because Think about, uh, think about a car, for instance. You don't want a car where if you push the brake, it would have to go to the cloud and take a decision if it now has to physically stop the car or not. Because if your connectivity goes down with the cloud, it might never get the actual action to stop the car. So this smartness needs to be at the edges, and that will be the one that will take autonomous decisions on like what now needs to be done and it will update those decisions if new models are being made available.
0: True, true. I understand that now. So, uh, I mean, if we have to... IoT is going to bring so much difference across each and every industry. I mean, we can talk about how it will change the healthcare, how it will change the energy industry how it will change the infrastructure but that is that will take away probably you know the whole hour because there is so much to talk about you know on each and for each and every industry so we are not going to focus on each and every industry how iot is expected to change that in this session in the coming sessions you know we'll talk about that you know individual industries will address so that we can have an in depth analysis about how each and every industry is going to be impacted because of IoT, but today let's focus on the home automation because that is going to help each and every individual, our global viewers and listeners understand how their homes, their personal lives, you know, is going to be impacted because of the changes coming because of IoT. So um, how, how do you expect IoT to change building and home automation?
1: Yes. So basically, if you wear a smartwatch that has access to your vital signs, then your house will know if you're upset or not before you open the door. It will know it's you, so it will open the door for you. And if it sees that you're stressed, it will start doing a uh, different type of like experiments. And over time, it will learn what calms you down. So after some time, you'll get home. And it will have experimented with the smell of coffee or tea or other things. It will have experimented with different type of music, uh, with different type of light intensity, with different type of temperature. So the thing your home will do is try to make you feel relaxed, to make those boring things go away. Uh, If like somebody is trying to sell you something at the door and all your neighbors have said no, It will not even let them ring the bell. It will just immediately say, no, we're not interested because um, the homeowner is now on the sofa and relaxing. They don't want to buy this or that product from you. So it's this type of things where, like, day-to-day, your home will adapt itself, will make the shopping easier, will make cleaning easier, will uh, uh, make sure you don't forget uh, things if you're... um, Heating system is going to break down. It will schedule somebody to come and take a look before it breaks down. It's all those things uh, that you'll see. Uh, You'll have new devices in your home to which you can talk, and they will respond to things. Uh, uh, You have new devices that will run around and clean things for you. Um, There's new new entertainment. There's uh, integrations with your mobile integration, with your social network integration, with uh, television and other types of devices.
0: That would be so fascinating. I look forward to those kind of developments. It will make uh, individual's life so much better and so much, you know, more peaceful. Because if we are able to get rid of the nuisances, like the way you are describing, that would be so amazing. Now, looking at the trends of IoT, it seems in the coming years, everything could be or probably would be tagged. It, now, this, you know, has both advantages as well as disadvantages. Now, Do you think people would feel comfortable if uh, if their clothes, their shoes, their jewelry, everything that they're, you know, wearing or they're associated with, that could be tagged? Do you think they would, you know, accept that? Um, Any technology
1: needs to solve a concrete problem. If it doesn't, people don't tend to buy it. People tend to reject it. So if putting tags in there is used for the wrong things, People will revolt and will not buy the tech clothes and will keep on buying the other clothes. If uh, people find that because things have tax, nuisances go away, new things are possible that are exciting, they will accept it. It's like the, the first microwaves, everybody was scared of them until everybody discovered they're actually quite handy to very quickly warm up a, a cup of coffee or tea. So... It will all be, are we going to be better off? Well, then we probably want it. If we're not, then we probably don't buy it. Our purse will decide what is useful.
0: Yeah, good point. Good point there. Let's see you know, how uh, individuals are thinking of balancing their privacy and security and having this kind of you know, efficiency and luxury in their life. So we'll have to see how uh, in each individual, you know, uh, how they accept it and how they you know view this. But now it seems that uh, because of this IoT, hundreds of applications to interface with hundreds of devices that probably don't share protocols for speaking with one another it seems we need global standards because across nations each nation is working you know individually in their own ways and developing their own applications or own kind of devices and everybody has their own standards and own interfaces so how would each nation deal with these you know complex uh, challenges in uh, balancing their interfaces yeah so so basically there have been two ways of making standards
1: One way was like put experts in a room from different companies and different nations and let them decide what is the standard for everybody. And then let us try to find the simplest possible solution that works. And if people start using it, let's afterwards document what it actually does. Now, what we've seen is that most of those first groups were standards because it was hard to do it otherwise. Um, It was very hard to make your own dishwasher that was better so you bought whatever dishwasher that was on the market that would then come with those standards. But the internet has been one of the first places where like uh, crowdsource standards came to life. And the smartest standard one not the well, most well-funded or, or the most politically correct standard. So what is happening now is there's this new generation of uh, solutions that allow the smartest standard to win. So on any app-enabled device, you can basically just download a standard as an app. So if you want, uh, for instance, in the home, an IoTivity versus an old join. If you have an app store on a device, you can have both standards. So in the beginning, what will happen is you can have all the standards as different apps, and if you need them, you install them. If you don't, you don't. And what will soon happen is only the ones that are really used will be installed. They will come by default, and the rest will slowly go away. And what is now possible is that those standards are put open source out there so that everybody can just – pick the best one and we might not get uh, expected, but like for instance, this week, we are doing a crowdfunding campaign about software defined radio. So the the wireless industry was one of those last places where like you had standards that were defined by committee, not by the best technical people. Well, even that is changing now because what we are uh, seeing is you can make an app, put it on a software defined radio and then uh, be a mobile base station, be a Wi-Fi, be something that controls a drone, be something that is Bluetooth or or invent your own standard. So the future even of wireless communication will be impacted uh, by just people having a better idea, making an app and letting everybody else try it and see if they like it. And standards will just be uh, those things that like, the things that work, that are easy, that get the job done will go up. The complex things that are over-engineered that nobody understands and are hard to use will be uh, discarded. So, yes, there will be lots of standards in the future, but the really useful ones will bubble up.
0: Right, right. Now, that, that would be really interesting to see how it works out. And I think technology people, you know, who are developing internet IoTs and, you know, other applications, I think they will be able – to play a much bigger role in, you know, developing things that would, you know, communicate easily with each other, you know, irrespective of which nation they are in. So let's wait and see how it shapes up. But another, you know, key point that we need to address is about the frameworks. How are Internet of Things frameworks developing? Because uh, we will need a framework that would allow complex structures like distributed computing and the development of distributed applications. So there needs to be some sort of framework. So. What is your analysis about that? How is it being developed? So so again, what we do
1: here is like we allow people to make cloud uh, solutions or solutions for the edges and package them. On, on, on the edges. an app. On the cloud, it's a bundle of solutions. And basically, um, what uh, happens here again is as long as you make it easy for people to try out uh, all 500 in the morning, then they will pick. Uh, so by creating transparency on like what are the different things and and moving away from the way software was sold before, which was on a golf course in, in Hawaii where like you were seeing slides and often the people that like were deciding on what software their enterprise had to use didn't have to actually use the software to moving to models where you just try the software and if you like it, uh, you You take a subscription to it. If you don't uh, like it anymore, you stop paying and you stop using it. Uh, So from a framework perspective, what will work is what people will use, what people will take subscriptions or support services for, and the rest uh, will vanish. It's It's, again, adoption that will drive it.
0: Yes, yes. Now, this is another interesting area that I want to discuss is that there are some technology pioneers in the United States. They are advocating a new data based approach to governance that and they uh, they have named it as algorithmic regulation. And people are saying that if technology provides the answers to society's problems I mean there are a lot of people are very hopeful and very you know optimistic that technology that is being developed across nations is going to help solve it pretty much each and every problem that you know nations have currently because it will be able to uh, solve it in a much easier way than you know rather than having a very complex way of doing uh, the government's the way they do business currently you know so what are your thoughts about the uh, algorithmic regulation and do you think the technology will provide the answers to society's problems
1: so um, it will not solve solve everything first of all uh, it will uh, lower the cost of some things and make some things easier. So, so it's not only algorithms uh, that are moving in that direction. You also have something called smart contracts uh, that are based on, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Bitcoin, which is a cryptocurrency. So the reason why you can't double spend uh, a cryptocurrency is something called blockchain, which is a distributed ledger. Now, there's smart groups of people that have created smart contracts based on these distributed ledgers. What does that all mean? It basically means we can automate a lot of things and let computers take decisions. So um, algorithms and smart contracts will be able to automate the daily stuff. The daily things where like um, I send out a smart contract uh, to do my shopping. And that smart contract needs to find uh, the right price uh, for these and these products. Uh, Those things can be automated. I don't think it's automatable that, like, I now need to fall in love with that person or uh, things like that. There's still certain things where algorithms will never be um, the the steerer. They can suggest but people will still have to be uh, seeing if it's actually uh, right what they're saying.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Now, let me ask you something. Uh, let's say, for example, your company is developing a product uh, in the area of healthcare monitoring, just you know, uh, to take an example. And uh, you want to know that are there any other developers across nations who are also trying to do or develop something that you are trying to develop? Do you think you will be able to develop a sensor or IoT uh, in, by which, you know, you will be able to gather that kind of intelligence from across nations that, you know, this, what other kind of, you know, technology is being developed in the area that you want to develop and what are the similarities? Do you think you will be able to capture that kind of intelligence using IoT? Um, I,
1: I think there's a lot of sharing platforms and the sharing economy allows people to work together on things that they both are interested in. So you have things like crowdfunding, you have things like GitHub, and you have other things where, like, you already can find people that are interested in a certain area, that are interested in a certain idea, uh, that are interested in a certain technology. So, so finding people that are working on something or, like, if you have a certain problem, you don't know how to solve it and crowdsource a solution and put in an a word against it are already techniques that are being used. And I think IoT will just accelerate that trend. Uh, but I think there's lots of solutions already happening in
0: that space. Interesting. Now, uh, this IoT is an environment in which objects, animals or humans are provided with very unique identifiers and the ability to transfer data over a network without requiring human to human or human to computer interaction. Now IoT, it seems that it has evolved from the convergence of wireless technologies, micro electrochemical systems and the Internet. Now the concept, it seems that that we are referring to as Internet of Everything is for most of the humans across nations very, you know, mind, it's like very frightening, I would say. As many, you know, they don't even understand what exactly it is, how it's going to impact their life how it is going to benefit their life or, you know, what control they will lose, you know, over their privacy, what security challenges they will have. So how would you, you know, what will you tell to human beings across nations, the common man that are frightened by this, that, you know, internet of things is coming, what would happen to our lives? What would you tell them for their, you know, understanding and for their, of mind that you know it is not a technology or it is not an area that is out there to destroy humans or you know like you know many people are scared of artificial intelligence that you know their lives would be taken over by machines how would you explain to the human beings that you know they don't need to be afraid of the internet of things
1: well I think if we look at history, uh, there have been like many waves where people were saying, oh, this will destroy us as a humanity and, and that could have been the steam engine, that could have been like uh, the car, uh, internet, uh, mobile phones, like we were no longer going to travel, we were going to be uh, all uh, at home hooked to the, to a phone or whatever. And then, at the end, new things happened. Uh, Jobs changed. But uh, if you would have to go and work back uh, 150 years ago, you might have to take a shovel and fill a boat by hand. And then, like, be three days filling a boat. We now have cranes, we have containers, we have automated processes, and we still are doing uh, like probably more interesting jobs because uh, the whole boring, annoying things have been automated. And uh, now we can focus more time on what we actually want to do or where we actually feel uh, richer as a person. So um, the whole idea of like new things coming uh, for those that um, are forward-looking, it's an opportunity. Um, and for those that get impacted, perhaps their next job might be more interesting than what they were doing before.
0: Right. Right. Do you think that uh, nations have the proper infrastructure in place for IoT to be able to, you know, succeed the way we all hope that it will succeed? Um,
1: I think there will be challenging uh, moments uh that are coming and and it will be nations it will be cities it will be businesses it will be your home that all runs into a problem uh but if the solution that is being targeted is big enough as a value for uh people somebody will find uh, solutions
0: yes now it- It seems you have been very successful in creating IoT in your role for your company. Based on your profile, it seems you have done something, some really amazing things, uh, you know, uh, in your capacity uh, that you have uh, with your current uh, business that you are working with, current organizations. Would you like to share your story with our global viewers and listeners about your IoT journey? And where you are headed? Because I think they would be very interested in uh, learning about that. How you, you know, managed to do what you did uh, over the years at your uh, company.
1: Yeah. So, so I started three years ago, and and it wasn't IoT. It was like, where's the cloud going? Uh, can you tell me, and like, what can we do to uh, make sure that we solve problems? That was the questions I was asked in my job interview. Uh, So, I I joined uh, Canonical. Canonical is famous for being uh, the company behind Ubuntu. We uh, are the number one in the cloud. Um, And we got a lot of uh, developers asking us, like, look, we are developing things uh, on the cloud as well as on devices. We need something easier. It's not really that easy to to make code if you, like, have to change it for everywhere. So, so what we are now um, focusing on is making the developer's life super easy by making apps that you can now install everywhere and in the cloud make complete solutions that, like, in a couple of clicks you can deploy and scale out and so on. And that technology play um, often could do a lot more if people just understood so my role has been like taking a car driving to a place where people only new horses and saying that the car was actually better but instead of showing them slides i would take them first i would even let them drive themselves i'll drive one of their fastest horses and then they would say like "Hmm, i like this but i would like it to be blue and i would like it to have like leather seats or this and this and this but the journey has been all about like Showing people, telling about like what is possible, how it can be done, and educating people on like what the new possibilities are of all that tsunami of innovation that's coming that's coming our way.
0: That's very interesting, very interesting, Martin. Now uh, you have uh, given you know, risk ground up uh, almost an hour of your time. And uh, you have explained this whole IoT concept and the applications and where we are heading in a very simple, very you know, uh, user-friendly manner that you know all of our global viewers and listeners will be able to understand this very complex you know topic in a very you know easy manner, and they would you know definitely benefit from what you had to say today. So thank you so much, Martin, for uh, coming on this up. Thank you.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: Now we can even say that the Internet of Things is here, but the widespread adoption of the Internet of Things will definitely take time. Now, when billions of devices are in the process of being connected together, what can we, the humans, do to make sure that our information and data stay secure? With the broadband Internet becoming more widely available across nations, The cost of connecting to the cyberspace or to the internet is decreasing across nations. More and more devices are being created with Wi-Fi capabilities and sensors that are built into them. Technology costs are going down, and smartphone penetration is skyrocketing across nations. All of these things are creating a perfect playing field for the IoT. The internet of things has great promise, yet, Governance, regulatory, business, policy, privacy, security, and other technical and non-technical challenges must be tackled before these systems are widely embraced. Risk groups, Cybersecurity Risk Research Center, and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very purpose, so that we can identify, evaluate, and manage the risk-facing NGIOA in as administrations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. And we discuss, debate, and define necessary framework, structure, processes, tools, and technologies to manage the security risk of not only the digital global age, but also of the coming technological super convergence, We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feeding into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is built for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So, if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the Risk Roundups, to watch the Risk Roundup videos or to hear the Risk Roundup podcast, please go to riskupalency.com. Do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.